Tonight we pay tribute to the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali, the boxer, the poet, the crusader, as Novak Djokovic lays claim to the greatest in his game, holding all the tennis aces. In footy, this is fine, this is not. Has the world gone mad? We'll wrap up State of Origin 1. There, that's done. And Phil Kearns is in ahead of the Wallabies taking on England. A show that always has something to say. Oh, it's not always pretty. It's the back page live. Wanted to run around in the baggy green. Want to be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never ever give up. They think women aren't strong enough, but we just beat the world. Their sixes are gold. I got pressed in the back of the head regularly. It's just unfortunate it was from a coach. Yeah, well, up to people with eating their dinners. Hello and welcome, everyone. Queensland viewers, congratulations. Origin 1 in the bag. We'll get there shortly with one of your own. Sitting alongside Kelly Underwood, it's Robert Craddock. Hello and welcome to you both. Congratulations, Crash. We'll get there shortly. Uh, and on this side of the panel, Jules Schiller and Adam Spencer. How are you? Oh, great way to start the show. Was that Brock Lesnar? That was Brock yeah. Lesnar. The former WWE, now yeah. going back to the ultimate fight. Yeah, great. Yeah. Taking on an Aussie, I think. Yeah, terrific. All right, somewhere uh, Muhammad Ali is still floating like a butterfly. Sadly, the greatest is no longer with us, but how privileged are those of us who watched a man who dominated, energised and elevated his sport like no other. Greatest ever in terms of sporting figures crashed. Does he fit there? Oh, I think so. He took boxing to the world, didn't he? To the Philippines, to Germany, to Malaysia... And I reckon, look, he's got tributes for being the best sledger in the world, yep. one of the greatest humanitarians, but the one thing for me that stood out, sports, psychology, he was 40 years ahead of his time, like when he fought Sonny Liston, who was protected by the mafia, and he knew there was one thing that really rattled him, and that'd be the crazy man. So he got in his bus, he drove it onto Sonny's front lawn, there he is, that's the result of it, drove it up onto Sonny's front lawn, tooted the horn and said, come out you big bear, you big ugly bear, <laughs> and he came out with a shotgun. Liston came out and pointed at him and Ali said, whoa, I'm getting out of here, backed away and scooted up the road. But you say he's mad, but he knew it'd get inside his head. So I reckon sports psychology, he had it sorted before all these modern day blokes, 50 years ahead of his time. He had that entertainment factor, didn't he? And whether it was dealing with the media or directly with his opponent or the public, that was a beautiful part of him. I've seen him interviewed by Michael Parkinson and, 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 and really intense, passionate statements about African-American life and what it's like in the racially oppressed area he grew up and just holding his own and just pushing Michael Parkinson, one of the great Q&A guys ever, around the metaphorical ring. His ability to hold conversation and then just turn and come out with these florid phrases. One of my favourite phrases ever from Muhammad was that one. He said, I was in my hotel room last night. I'm so fast. I turned off the light. I was in bed before it got dark. <laughs> <laughs> I love that mainly for the implications of Einstein's theory of relativity. That means exactly... <laughs> I'm sure that's you meant. <laughs> you know what I did? Because everyone talks about the, you know, uh, When We Were Kings, yeah. that, which mm. is a great documentary. But I went on YouTube. You can actually watch... Rumble in the Jungle and um, Thriller Manila, the full fights as they happen. And they are brutal. Yep. You know, the sheer endurance that he displayed to get through that. I mean, he's hardly standing. And I like to think that staying power, power got him through the Logies in 1978. <laughs> 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 it's right to the goal. It's really interesting you say that, Jules, because, I, I mean, I don't remember him. I'm, I'm obviously a bit too young, but I'm aware of the impact that he had on the world and I've read all Definitely the articles. Sparky. We're not that old over yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm aware of, you know, I've read all the articles and that, but it makes me, Jules, want to sit down and read the classic books about him and to go and watch those documentaries. And, and that's something, when I get a bit of spare time, I really want to do. And after, you know, reading all the articles of his passing in the last uh, absolutely. 48 hours. Absolutely. 
And you, you mentioned about the, you know, how he spoke and interviewed. He teased with that same lightness of touch, I think, how he moved around the ring. There's some of the, the great photos we see there of him. Uh, but he was never in, you know, in better sledging form, I think, than when he was building up a fight with George Foreman. Have a listen to this. It's terrific. I'd have wrestled with an alligator. That's right. I have wrestled with an alligator. I don't tussle with a whale. I don't handcuff lightning, throw thunder in jail. That's bad. Only last week, I murdered a rock, injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. <laughs> <laughs> that just the look. That, just looked, the look that was to Don King, who was standing next to him at the time. I think Foreman tweeted this week that him, Joe Frazier and Ali were part of the sort of yeah. same chess. They were the one person. The person, but Ali was the greatest but, but piece. Bo- it was a great tweet. Boxers who, who fought him loved him, partly because he made them famous and rich. And, like, you try and explain to young kids how, how influential he was, and... One of the things that, you know, I was thinking the other day, saying to a young kid, he went to uh, Saddam Hussein and got 15 American hostages released because Saddam Hussein loved him in Iraq and, and no-one else could do it. He flew in suffering Parkinson's and is, said, let him go. Is he the most charismatic athlete that we have ever seen, do you oh, think? Oh, I think so. Because, I mean, you think of stories like that. He flew to Iran, he tried yep. to get hostages released. He was known globally. He was the first reality star, television. He came along at about the time of telly and he was the first TV reality. And it makes him, you him, think him that... Him or Wayne Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not just Darius It was at once what was great about boxing, but also what was wrong with boxing, because in the, in the later years, he did become just a kind of shambling shadow of his former uh, self. Ali Frazier threes in 1975. Once he's wrapped that with Foreman and wrapped it with Frazier, if he'd gone out then... It would have been in some ways a, a better story than watching him go Ken Norton, uh, you know, Larry Holmes. Larry Holmes. Th- yeah. That was getting very ugly near the end. Now, you mentioned the political views. Uh, that They were pretty extreme at some point, um, born obviously from that history of oppression of his people and his own experience. Now, as he told Michael Parkinson about being an Olympic champion, trying to get something to eat in his own town. And I went downtown, I sat down, and I said, you know, a cup of coffee, a uh, hot dog, he said, the lady said, we don't serve Negroes. <laughs> I was so mad. I said, I don't eat them either. Just give me a couple of hot dogs. <laughs> you know, and I said, I'm the Olympic gold medal. One, three days ago, I fought for this country in Rome. I won the gold medal and I'm going to eat. The manager, heard her tell the manager. And she says, he said, well, I'm not the, I'm not the man. Now, he's got to go out. Anyway, I didn't raise her. They put me out. And I had to leave that restaurant in my hometown where I went to church and served in their Christianity and fought and daddy fought in all the wars. Just wanted to go meddling. Couldn't eat downtown. I said, something's wrong. Uh, extraordinary. They'll be lining up on the streets of his ho- hometown on Friday as their hero passes by. All right, another man is now having the greatest attached to his name. The discussion has begun about Novak Djokovic's place in the game's history after he added the French Open title to the other three slam events he currently holds. Kel, amazing effort. Well, the drench open, as we saw in the last fortnight, Tony, it was an amazing effort. Uh, this is a man that is on a roll and he is building a compelling case to be... Uh, up there with the Roger Federer of the tennis world as maybe the greatest of all time. And he's still got plenty of tennis left in him. He's won five of the last Grand Slam finals. And that one loss came at the French last year against Stan Wawrinka. But we just saw Ali. What makes you, even in, is it just the numbers in tennis? I mean, he's got to get to the 17 of, of um, 
Federer, we know that. But in terms of how Federer played the game, he was so much more attractive to watch. Yeah, he was. And you would probably say if it was a popularity contest, most people favour Roger Federer because of that charisma that he has outside of the tennis court. But with Novak Djokovic, I mean, you can't ignore the numbers. This is compelling what he's been able to do over the last 18 months. And he's doing it against the best. I mean, Nadal's won 14. He's getting on top of Nadal, whose body's letting him down. He's getting on top of Roger Federer. We know what he's done to Andy Murray. Poor old Andy Murray, who's played in 10 Grand Slam finals and lost eight. So um, remarkably, he's won the last two Wimbledon. He'll go in the red-hot favourite. And he could do what only one tennis player's ever done in the history, and that is win a Golden Slam. He could win all four this year. He'll be the red-hot favourite for Wimbledon and he could take home the Olympic gold medal. Well, he'll win three and the French Open. Let's be honest about the French <laughs> Open. If tennis were Star Wars, then the French Open would be Jar Jar Bing. It doesn't mean anything to you, Kelly. No, you've no, seen it. We just have to accept it, don't we, really? It's, it's on clay. They say Caron a lot. Yeah. But, you know, the, French, the, the three things that are popular in France are probably football, cycling and adultery. Tennis is not one of them. <laughs> you know, Roland Garros is a World War One ace. And I was thinking to myself, why don't they name their tennis centre after a French champion? Then you realise they don't have any. <laughs> Basically, I think Yannick Noah and Henri Lecon. So that I just, just the French don't even turn up to the French Open. Do we really like it? The, this dozer red clay of Roland Garros, no, it can be a little bit dull. The obviously. spirit of Muhammad Ali. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Reincarnated. No, that was a, a, a tad lucky to be in the final because if, if this mm. piece of racket abuse, and if it cleans up the linesman, it could have got really ugly for him. It looks okay there. But this crash was very close to a direct hit. God, I'd love to see him hit the linesman. I'd love to see him. So you wanted him to squalify? Yeah, yeah. You don't I like just him? live for the day. Do you know what? That's, that's a good point. He doesn't get our hearts, does he? No. We, we respect him universally. You, you dip your lead. Fantastic. But he doesn't suck your heart out of your chest. I'm living for the day when a smart aleck tennis player goes one step too far and gets defaulted. I think it'll be fabulous. All right, well, we're talking about those linesmen there. It can be a dangerous job being a linesman or a lineswoman in, in tennis. I'll show you how. Uh, now, look, I'm not sure why they didn't throw the book at Nick Kyrgios here. Look at that malicious attack. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> David Nalbandian, now he was disqualified crash for this yes. kid on the advertising hoarding that goes straight, look, a bit of blood on yeah. the shin yeah. there. Uh, now this bloke was disqualified, but honestly I think the lineswoman takes a dive here, look at this. Yeah. Racket hits her there, watch her go down here. Oh, the back. in Italy in the Euros. This lineswoman, she, th th this is the end of the Marty Fish serve. Joe Wilfred's song, still checking to see if he was in or out. This one here, the Australian Open <laughs> this year. Uh, perfect shot, beautiful work. I just feel sorry for the, lot, <laughs> the ball girl here. Uh, yeah. She's as shocked yeah. as anyone, isn't yeah. she? <laughs> <laughs> Been there from last Wimbledon. All right, still. Moving <laughs> 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 on. Did you say juice? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> that wasn't. Really? Didn't, that didn't come out as I expected. Exactly. Still with tennis <laughs> balls in that area. Roberto Batista Agut uh, couldn't quite pull off the trick shot between his legs. Now, if you're going to go for the tweener, you really do have to make some kind of connection. Otherwise, it looks very, very clumsy. Uh, you get this angle here is much better for you. It gets down. I'll have a go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
absolute <laughs> rubbish. All right, having disposed of Australian Sam uh, Stoza, Gabina Muguruza took the uh, big step up to beat Serena Williams in the final. She is a great talent, isn't Ooh, she? She Carol? announced herself yeah. in this match. She has got stage presence, and this will be the first of many, but almost the biggest story is Serena Williams. She's stranded on 21. Mm. 22 is what she dreams about, and it means so much to her that she just can't get there. Adam, her record in Grand Slam finals up until the end of last year was 21 and 4. So you just could not beat her in a Grand Slam final. This year she's 0 and 2. She's just getting to that point. Still a phenomenal player, but semi-finals, finals, you start to see a few chinks in the armour. Yeah, but how much of it is it mental, though? But also just the incredibly physical game she plays at the age she is. There's going to get 34. to a point where she's suddenly too old, and maybe that window closes and Steffi Graf holds on. And I think there's a misconception that young kids get nervous and the old sweats don't. It's the opposite with her. Yeah. She is getting nervous. She is absolutely she? getting nervous. She struggled to get to 18 because she was equaling um, Chrissy and Martina, two people that she really admires and gets on really well with, and she's suddenly hitting the hurdle here with Steffi Graf as well. All right, look, if you, if you don't like something your opponent is doing on the tennis court, don't take matters into your own hands. That's the lesson learned by uh, Robert Haas, who didn't like Gonzalo Lama's over-the-top grunting. Have a listen. <laughs> Beautiful thing is, for that grunt there, he was docked the point. For the satirical grunt. You, you can't steal another player's grunt. It's like forging their signature. You can't mock a grunt. That player's <laughs> developed that grunt over years of junior tennis. He's brought it up through the club competition. You can't steal a grunt, can you? But that's... so if he grunts, if the guy grunts every time he hits the ball, that's all right. That's but if right. you grunt, so is that if, if I permanently play offside, that's no fine. If you only catch me once a match, then you can ping me. Develop his own grunt. <laughs> Get your own grunt. <laughs> Nick Kyrgios's Olympic dream, the thing that's inspired him since his days as a tennis tot in Canberra, has been crushed. <laughs> He's been driven out of the Australian team for Rio before even being in the Australian team for Rio. But he did crash exit with grace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to Tennis Australia, he did. He showed admirable maturity. Yeah. I must admit, I nearly fell off my chair when I saw that from Steve Healy. But, you know, it's just another reason why tennis doesn't belong in the games. Mm -hmm. you know, a guy like this who flirted with the whole thing and then decided, you know, nah, not for me. And, Tone, the last couple of months I've been doing Olympic stories and dealing with kids who would give their arm to go. There's going to be a diver tomorrow, Brittany Broman, who's got a busted shoulder. She'll get chosen. She's going. You can't stop her. Don't worry about the Zika virus. Then you've got these... 40 tennis players who couldn't give a toss about it. It, it just doesn't belong there. Ten tennis at the Games is absurd. Golf at the Games, ridiculous. My, researching my latest book, and I'm okay. doing a chapter on now defunct sports they had at the Modern Olympics and then dropped out in about 1912, 1920. Whatever happened to lacrosse uh, at the Olympic Games? Yeah. Whatever happened to the best tug of war from each nation just getting <laughs> on either side of a rope? And they used to have long jump and high jump for horses. What? You'd come up what? on a horse and try right, and clear the highest and the longest jump. And the Australia's first ever swimming gold medal mm -hmm. came in the 200 metres 
obstacle race. A guy oh, got that's right, 200 yeah. metres and every 50 metres there was a chain with a boat or a log on it. You had to Shark. swim, climb over the yeah. boat, swim, go under the log, swim, go under the boat, <laughs> tap it out. Bring back the 200-metre obstacle get race. Get rid of tennis. I love it. <laughs> In the NRL, the Sharks stay on top of the table after the last gasp win over the Bulldogs last night. Gee, it was a great sideline conversion from James Maloney backing up from Origin on Wednesday. He gets the job done, just brushes the post and through it goes. Uh, he's happy and the rest of his teammates were very excited watching. Yes, it was nine in a row for the Shark. He's still chasing that first premiership. The poor kicking game of, the, of these boys, uh, look at this, this is Moses Mbai now. Kel, he's supposed to kick it out uh, as the penalty <laughs> and straight <laughs> to the opponent. They did hand it to them a little bit on a platter there. Now, look, we saw that. We saw the kicking game. I, I, I'm all for biblical references, but you've got to get it right. Now, this one on social media about Moses Mbai, maybe Moses left his kicking game on the ark because he, didn't, he definitely didn't bring it tonight. That was Noah. Noah was on the ark. Yeah. Moses part of the Red Sea. <laughs> yeah. He led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was given the Ten Commandments. So maybe he left his kicking game up the mountain. Up the mountain, Mount Sinai. Yeah. That the theologians aren't supporting the category. <laughs> <laughs> there's, not, there's not that many biblical scholars <laughs> who are tweeting about the game. The eleventh commandment, thou shalt not kick. All right, how's this? No suspension for South Sydney's Nathan Brown for his not-so-subtle stomp on Ignatius Parsi. Uh, this is just... The match review committee decided there was insufficient force and because he struck him in the groin, he was unlikely to cause injury. How does that work? Yeah, the contact area means there was no unacceptable risk of injury. Oh. <laughs> what? what is the acceptable <laughs> risk to your testicles <laughs> of a guy kicking them with a football boot? Where do you draw the line and go, that's all right, it's, a, it's only a little snit. <laughs> it's a glorified squirrel grip. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... It's absolutely astonishing. Stomping uh, on the groin is fine, uh, but this tap to the chin uh, is worth a week for Tom Hawkins. Now, if we've got some of this, uh, yeah. Boom. Well, well, you mentioned the word in the previous NRL one, insufficient force, and I think the question here was, was there insufficient force? So he actually got two, he accepted one, he opted not to appeal. So he could have tried to get off that. If he'd have got hold of the, the Guernsey, which is the way to do it, and then just do the punch, is that still going to get him Yeah, it's gone? almost like the jumper punch it is, is OK, the isn't it? Punch. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's outrage in Melbourne over this because they're playing North Melbourne and it is a, a huge game this Saturday night, so they're without their, their star full forward. Yep. But he did make contact with a clenched fist to the jaw of Phil Davis. Kel, you uh, called that game. Was there any... I watched that and I just had this sixth inch. You know how something will hit you? I thought, we are seeing next year the changing of the baton in Sydney. GWS, the, the number one team in Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they lost the game, oh, they, yeah. you know, they, I know, they but beaten. they're rising ever so steadily. And I want you to keep this tape and show it in a year's time. Oh, don't you worry break about it. that. Do you agree? What do you think? Uh, I agree that we are seeing something, yes, absolutely emerge, but I just wonder whether you're saying that because we've got the Swans' number one ticket holder sitting here. I hadn't noticed. And I'll I'll say to you, Crash, as a proud Queenslander, next year the number one AFL team in Queensland still won't make the eight. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest. I won't have any bets on that. (laughs) We're going to get back to the AFL a little while. It's uh, terrible for the game, but some relief to New South Wales fans. The wash-up from State of Origin 1 disappeared under the story of investigations into match-fixing allegations. This was a bad look on Thursday mornings in the papers when we should have been talking about that game crash. Fascinating story. Tony, one thing I've got to say is this. In cricket, I've seen a million of these match-fixing things. Unless they can find this bet of half a million dollars, they've got nothing on this. It will not stand up. I've seen it in cricket. 
There's 30 registered corporate bookies or a few more in Australia and there hasn't been a peep out of them so far. They're all big talkers and if they think they're dudded, they will have a whinge. Don't worry. There was nothing on this. It's a huge amount of money. And and I'll tell you how much evidence you need to make these things stick. I saw Brendan McCullum, the most reputable cricketer in the world, stand up in a London court and say, Chris Cairns offered me money to throw a game. He said it twice. And the judge said, and they said, you need more evidence. And I thought, you've just got to have so many things proof, like that. And you need the money trail, don't well, you? Well, well, that's why no one gets convicted match fixing in India. It's all illegal betting and it's cash in biscuit yep. tins. You've got to have a money trail. If but they you, haven't got a money trail. You read this story and you just hope that it's not true, particularly in Australian sport at the elite level. You just cross it, your it, fingers it, there's and there's smoke hope everywhere. There's, there's so much smoke. You, you, we have the darkest suspicions. Mm. But I'm telling you, proving it can be a nightmare. Mm. But isn't it as unfair? Manly's Joe Kelly came out and said that you know they've got to act and do something. Otherwise, their club, which has been named in two of the games, was alleged uh, to have something to have happened last season. You know, they're, they're tainted. Well, they've lost their major sponsor today. I mean, that is a nightmare for them. And, and any players... See, when no players are named, everyone's under suspicion, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, tainted. So, you're right. But, but I just think, like, oh, every week I get a phone call at work from, from punters saying, these bookies won't let me on for $500. What, someone had half a million on it. I've got no doubt there's... Like, how do you get a better half a million on in Australia? That, that, that's... Can, if someone can answer that, can they, they ring me the and tell you me? hang out with gambling addicts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in Sydney, there's dozens of these reputable brothel owners and no-one will go to the races with them anymore. They're the guys I feel really sorry for. <laughs> Sadly, there's no time to talk about State of Origin 1 this Good. week. Yeah, yep, move on. Uh, OK. Uh, Blues coach Laurie Daly came up with my favourite We Was Robbed defence after Queensland's 6-4 win, and that's all fair and tickety-boo. I would have thought, Crash, what did you make of it? But where's the fine? I mean, that's what I don't know. Like, do that in a club game, you get $10,000. Haven't heard a peep from anyone. Where's the fine? I mean, the, these are the scenes, of course. It was a dour game. I know Jules, the Victorians, would have said it was, you know, it looked, it's got nothing on our game. I still reckon New South Wales, their problems are in the selection room. They, for 10 years, here's the pattern. You pick the big boppers, they get their photo on the front page of the paper, have a look at our giant forwards. They run straight into the Queensland pack who knock them over. And in the last 10 games, New South Wales have averaged 10 points because they can't get through. So these giants that that everyone says, oh, this is the way to beat them, look at the size of them. It's not working. But it was the bunker that cost New South Wales a game, not the on... The on-field ref ruled that a try, so... Surely he should have that, some that's issues because there wasn't enough compelling vision to overturn that try oh, from what I could see. Tony, oh. is there any part of you that think that Laurie actually has is benefiting from having the refs again? Because once you put pressure on them, once you said, we don't want them, and they're going to be appointed again. They will. So, so the pressure appointed. is squarely on them now, isn't it? To yeah, get absolutely. I'm not deal. sure that Laurie was thinking all the way through that from the post-game press conference, though, but certainly he wouldn't change it back now, I wouldn't have thought. How, but... how can he not be fined? Can you explain that to me? Because... Trent Robinson earlier this year year must be sitting back. He was fined $40,000 for calling the refs disrespectful. I really like Laurie Daly, but I thought he completely let himself down with those comments after the game. It is so unprofessional. Why doesn't he take account himself or his players, to, to, to say that, it, just to put that blame on the, the rest. Moment, there were this, some decisions yeah, on the field. You can't that say that before. in these days, the heat of the moment. But it was... I, I think... Uh, do you agree with me? Oh, I, I do. I, I thought he was, he was poor. I was there at the game in the conference and, and that was his worst moment mm-hmm. as a senior coach. But Jules made a very good point. The two really controversial decisions, the on-field refs actually went the other way. They supported New South Wales yeah. and it were overturned. So 
I didn't think he had a lot to win. You, you talked uh, about the selections that New South Wales have made. There was a lot made about Dylan Walker, only played a few minutes and didn't cover himself in, in, in glory. But Laurie Daly did, on that note, explain himself well uh, the, the use of Dylan uh, when he appeared on NRL 360. No, he's a, he's a tremendous player, Dylan. Didn't get the opportunity to put him on. Um, um, and I think, uh, you know, we needed someone on the, on the bench in case a, an outside back got injured. Uh, we put him on there through the middle. Um, but our forwards really handled it so well in the first half. I think we only made Oh, he snorted Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Thurston to bring it back to pure joy for us. <laughs> this moment captured by a fan uh, when JT gives his headgear, as he does every game, to a little kid. It's just the best. Have a look at it. I love it. it was, it's, the quality of the uh, vision isn't all that sensational, but it is. Here he comes across here post game. Oh 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 look at the reaction on the face there of that kid. That to me is what it's about. Oh. Yeah, it's He's, a, I, he is a class act, isn't he? And I, that brings a bit of a tear to the eye watching that does, sort of stuff, yeah. isn't it? It's, it makes well, you and, emotional. And after the game, when he mentioned the the, the Arakan community yeah. they were going through, he's just yeah. got class written all over yeah. him, Jonathan Thurston. Just, and I think a, a lot of those person. blokes. One of the keys to a lot of them is they've come from very humble upbringing. Like mm. Cooper Cronk was an apprentice plumber. Cam Smith was a, a printer. He worked in a cold room for six months and shivered like this when he was 70 kilograms. And, I mean, they were battlers, these blokes. I mean, the big stars now, they came from nothing. Yeah. And, look, there was classy interviews all over the place. After the game, Sam Thiday, he was a maroon working slightly blue in his interview with Brad Fittler. How was that, Sam? Yeah, it was a bit like uh, losing your virginity. Uh, it wasn't uh, very nice, but we got the job done. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've got a second question. Yeah, look, I... Yeah. <laughs> what did you make of that? Not a great joke, and I didn't find it relatable. I mean, if he'd come on in the last, say, eight seconds, fumbled the ball, apologised to his teammates, then I could have related <laughs> to the virginity <laughs> reference there. But well, still... maybe if it was an F1 pit stop, I could have related, but, <laughs> uh, but not that one. But the Sam Vile day the next day, wasn't the reaction slightly over the top? Uh, it was front page of the Daily Telegraph. Correct. Look, I, I, personally, I don't find it offensive, but I don't also really find it funny. I, I think you've gone from classy Jonathan Thurston to a bit of tackiness there but and I mean he know he knows it's the highest rating television show for the entire year so he knows exactly what he's doing. It, I read somewhere it was he's about set, 11 o'clock at night the game didn't kick off till nine o'clock. Yeah but he's said it before it's the second time he's he said has, it. He has too and I just think sometimes you know I always reckon maturity wise Sam sometimes about a 15 year old you know but that sort of stuff and it's not the crime of the century and later in the show I'll be a hypocrite because I'll bag the Wallabies for having no character. So there you go. Oh, good preemptive, that is. <laughs> uh, what's more offensive, though, Sam's line or, or this sign, uh, which I thought was terrific? Corey Parker, please sign my boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Not just initial. She must really like it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With three exclamation points. All right, look, I, I play this not to gratuitously, gratuitously show you a, a footy player's bottom. Uh, it's to show you the teamwork on display. Here we go. It's the Roosters. They come through. And look, there, yeah, sure, there it is. Look at Blake Ferguson. It's the pulling up of the trousers. Yeah. The reverse stacking. I the think re exactly. Term. <laughs> that is good spirited teamwork well, there. From... Yeah. You can't practice that. That's just instinctive, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Get in. the academy. Still to yeah. come on the show, rugby legend Phil Kearns joins us, plus more AFL cricket and a top five for animal lovers, plus the drag racer who brought new meaning to driving a bomb. Big explosion.
Tribute to Muhammad Ali, and I guess it's no great surprise that the champ has been an influence on sports people and teams conquering time and distance. Here's Wallabies coach Michael Checker. I'd like to let his family know that our thoughts are, are well and truly with him, and I'll tell you why because we, like many sporting teams around the world, have used that man as inspiration in motivational videos, in posters that go up on the wall, in phrases and sayings that he's used. And we've been able to use a part of his aura to help us build our own personalities. Yeah, completely understandable. Well said. All right, the Wallabies team will be revealed on Thursday with plenty of speculation about backline spots. Slightly surprising that Michael Checker seems to have picked himself at fly half, though, as well. Wow. Yeah, yeah, look, he's still got it, Adam. As the movement is beautiful. Man, I can, I, you can guarantee that's one thing the Poms are not planning for. <laughs> exactly Checker right. Checker himself in Yeah. What have you made of the build-up crash to this test match? Eddie Jones has arrived uh, with his team. I've enjoyed Eddie. He's been provocative uh, with that eyebrow raised, mm. like Roger Moore and James Bond. A lot of fun, you know, stirring the pot. Michael Checker won't bite, and it's a bit disappointing. We had Wendell Saylor here last week. I just can't help thinking the Wallabies lack a bit of a Wendell or a honey badger, just someone to get discussion going. I mean, look, the game in Australia has its challenges. The ARU uh, have lost a lot of money. The five franchises are uh, you know, struggling financially. It needs a lift. It needs characters and people to fire it up a bit. Yeah, but you've got to pick them for their ability to win the game above their personality. You, you do, but I, I just think it needs to let itself go a bit. I, I, it has been so... Look, I've been, I've been up there f- since they arrived and it's been hard work trying to promote it. All right, we'll talk to Phil Kearns about that in a little while. It was a beautiful combination of AFL and water polo as the Gold Coast and the Swans. Uh, in this case, the Big Wet. This is on Saturday. Night. Look at this, Adam. It's sensational, isn't 11 it? 11 centimetres of rain fell during the game. Not, not, in, the, not in the week beforehand or the day beforehand during the time it was played. And you were just thankful for both teams. George Hewitt picked up a bump, a slight concussion. You're just so thankful that no-one got badly injured because these are just conditions for someone just for, to just slide into a fence or just have a leg ripped from under them. And thankfully, everyone got through. Swans won, which I'm happy with, but just everyone got through unscathed. They were terrible. You know what I love? That on the sideline, Barry Hall was giving weather updates with the radar, <laughs> uh, hopefully setting a trend of menacing, intimidating weather people. <laughs> around the country. <laughs> Who's going to argue with the forecast? Yeah, it was great they got all the way through the game. Uh, officials thought better of it after just four minutes of this, this Major League Soccer game in Houston. Uh, looks pretty similar, but for football, that's, that's a tough. Look at this guy coming through here. Oh, yeah. They just went out like kids, played around for four minutes and left. Yeah, the, yes. ball, the ball didn't leave that three metres square. The, the Brazilians would really dive this time with flippers in a snorkel. So. Yeah, that's right. Steve Johnson continues to inspire his young GWS teammates, uh, although his fabulous opening goal, uh, this is great, Kel, but didn't end up with a win uh, against his former team. No, it wasn't the result they were looking for, but as Crash mentioned earlier, I was in Geelong for this game. All eyes on Steve Johnson against his former team. This is the third minute, and uh, this is just so gobsmackingly good. Even the man himself 
was shocked by that. It reminded me of a celebration that we saw at the Gabba a few years ago oh, uh, of Jason Ackermanis playing for the Brisbane Lions, who is just as supremely talented as Steve Johnson. And he was uh, same position on the ground. Uh, oh, look at that, threading the needle, car. turning around, and how, what's his reaction? I can't believe it either. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, and it still makes you laugh, the hair and the beard, the different colours. <laughs> and the thing with Acker, when Acker does that, you know he's faking it. He's yeah. not at all surprised that he did that. He's so awesome. <laughs> he's, he's probably watching According to Acker. We speak. We'll get a call from him any second. All right, it was a hard grind in the women's exhibition match between South Australia and New South Wales ACT. Now, a little bit of help from the, uh, the King of Flair, Eddie Betts, helped the locals get across the line. This is great. Kate. This is great. This is Eddie Betts watching on, saying, no go the banana. 18-year-old Ebony Marinoff playing uh, at the Adelaide for the first time to put her team in front, sees Eddie out of the corner of her eye and ignores him <laughs> and uh, kicks the traditional goal, puts it through and her team wins. But uh, I love that from Eddie Betts. Fantastic great, stuff. great game. Great to see it on TV and great to see the Crows boys there watching the girls and supporting them. Yeah. Fantastic. Terrific. All right, look, it makes you wonder why Nathan Lyon missed out on the T20 World Cup after a man-of-the-match performance in Australia's first up one-day win over the West Indies. He picked up three wickets, uh, crash, bowled really well alongside Adam Zampa. Oh, exactly, Tony. I mean, there's the story right there. I mean, Ashton Agar, what was he doing in that World 2020 ahead of Mr Reliable Nathan Lyon, who made his name initially as a 2020 bowler. So, but this young guy, Adam Zampa, there's just something about him. He's a tough little kid, maybe a future captain in some ways, and he just, he loves a contest, and I think it's fascinating. I've got to say this, though. No team on earth can look more like a third-grade district team when they're having an off day in the West Indies. Gosh, they were terrible the other day. They it's really so sad were. to see them like that after the yeah, T20, yeah. that World Cup and what they did. Over. They beat yeah. South Africa, didn't they, the game yeah, before? Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. And just suddenly just took fright. And the other terrible. thing I do like about Zampa, it's the highest-scoring cricket surname in Scrabble <laughs> since Tim Zura. <laughs> <laughs> And what do you do with your nights, in all honesty? I just sit alone and play Scrabble. (laughs) Yeah, compared to you, we sit alone and watch cricket all night. We'll we'll put Adam's mobile number up the bottom there for you later on. (laughs) All right, the NBA finals have been a bit one-sided with Golden State rushing two up in the best of seven series. Andrew Bogut's been impressive uh, there on the attack, but his defence, his blocking was terrific. He's had some foul problems across the journey, hasn't he? He's been awesome, and he didn't have the best final series last year, Andrew Bogut, so they're looking to go back-to-back the Warriors, and this is threatening to be a blowout. The Game 1 and Game 2 went into overtime last year. Uh, the Warriors have taken the first two at home pretty convincingly, and you just get the feeling that Bogut's really set himself to, to... I mean, he was huge in that first quarter, so many blocks, almost got the record for the NBA, and uh, and LeBron James spit out of touch, bit out of form. But next game's in Cleveland Thursday morning. Well, Golden State uh, coach Steve Curry, look, he seems pretty calm. He should be during that result. But it was a bit odd to see him shatter the clipboard after chat with officials. This is, is, as you said, they've won convincingly two games. This is one of the best three-point shooters we've ever seen. He won all those uh, premiership rings with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. So I think someone had just told him about the refereeing in Game 1 of the State of Origin. <laughs> it just, just filters through at that point. It is great, but because you, you're talking, this could be this season, the Cavs, that could be the greatest NBA season ever. And we've got Aussies absolutely at the centre of it. Yeah. yeah. There's 24 players taking part. Two of them are Victorians. Amazing. All right, to drag racing now and an incident in the funny car category that was far from funny. Now, watch the car on the right of your screen here. It's just oh, remarkable. 
remarkable. And there's some great uh, other shots of this. Bang. Uh, this, this slow motion. And you can just see when the driver appears, just sitting nonchalantly, there he is. No drama at all. Got out of the car, got out what was left of the car. All tickety-boo. I mean, they're basically just sitting on rockets, aren't they? Yeah, it's, it's the fun, the funny car. Man, it's just such an odd title. <laughs> hey, want to come and see the funny car? With you? <laughs> well, the bizarre thing that that's not the first time it's happened to that driver, Jack Beckman. Now, this is from 2012. Oh. Exactly the same thing. Bang! And with somebody's pit crew's got it in for him. But look at this. <laughs> <laughs> As his crew told him not to smoke. Yeah. He's <laughs> just put the cigarette in the race. Is, is it that? <laughs> just phenomenal. Yeah, there you go. Well done, Jake. All right, if, like me, uh, your golf ball is more likely than not to end up in water, Buffalo Creek Golf Course in Florida is not the place for you. Uh, it's where this alligator hangs out. Look at the size of that. That is a monster. monster. Oh, he looks wow. like something out of Jurassic <laughs> Park. It is a dinosaur. See, that guy's brave. John Daly. <laughs> <laughs> look, look at this guy, and this yeah. is my thing. He's filming it not in landscape, see? Yeah. That's why we see this video and not the other one. Yeah. Say this to people. If you're going to blackmail sports people or take funny YouTube, hold the phone like that. Hold it like that. It's good advice. It's very good advice, Jules. Uh, and it brings us to this week's top five animals to be wary of on the golf course. Brought to you by Audi. Number five, look, Jack Nicklaus, uh, the golden bear, number five, that's OK. This bloke, though, oh, not so much. Beautiful. Just running amok on the fairways. Beautiful, you say, Craig. Until it's hard, is that you? Exactly. Uh, number four, uh, the Walt Snatching Fox is among my favourites here. Swiping, no swiping. One of the, the Dora fans. Got his wallet. Exactly. He gets it back. Number three, look, playing golf in Africa can be scary uh, because baboons have right of way. Uh, oh. <laughs> so good. And then known, obviously, to uh, they steal lunches as well, which is terrific. Uh, and they also drive the getaway car. Done this before. <laughs> Number two, look, when you get attacked by a swarm of hornets on the golf course, what is handy uh, is to obviously have your jumper, but a, a lake nearby is just to plunge into. But at number one is bird life. Now look, the ducklings, they don't look so oh. bad, but don't touch the ducklings with the mullet there. Let's step it up with geese, even more aggressive. Now check it this out. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Love it. All right, plenty to come coming up. Our special guest, World Cup winning Wallaby, the legendary Phil Kearns.
<laughs> yeah, he's a World Cup winner, former Wallaby captain, current Fox Sports rugby commentator, Phil Kearns. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. First time on. I know. Looking at that vision, obviously, also a try-scoring machine. I was a try-scoring machine. There was a try there in 1984, sorry, 1994 Bledisloe Cup, mm -hmm. which became known as the Gregan Tackle Test. Mm. Yeah, he didn't score a try. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. There's a little bit of, of distance for you now between the playing days and where you are. What's the thing that when you're about to drift off to sleep, it just plays on the inside of your eyelids, something from the career that just stands out? Oh, nightclub France. Not even... <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> no, I mean, there are a lot of off-field things that... Re Actually, I've got to say, uh, winning the World Cup in 1991 against England on their home soil, um, into the change rooms afterwards, and uh, Nick Farr-Jones... Well, John Major knocks on the door uh -huh. and I answer the door. He says, can I speak to um, Nick Farr-Jones? And I take him in and Nick is absolutely nude in the showers, <laughs> just scrubbing his hair, covered in uh, shampoo foam. And I take John Major in and Nick just sort of goes like this and he walks out absolutely stark naked shakes hands with the Prime Minister of England and uh, <laughs> they had a conversation for 15 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, John Major's gaze just did not lower his <laughs> Did not lower his <laughs> Would have been half an hour conversation. <laughs> is it true, Phil, that you are, and this is one of my, I don't know if it's true or not, but I read it once, you were left out of your first 15 at school, so you didn't make the first rugby team at your own school. No, no, that's absolutely true. I had shit selectors there. <laughs> coach um, thinking that he thought Neville from Year 10 was a better pick than a future Wallabies he, captain. The coach was my, my best mate's old man. And uh, if it wasn't for, for him, uh, I wasn't going to play rugby after school. And, you know, Mum said, go to university, do your thing. And, and that's what I was thinking of doing. And he actually turned up at my front door. He literally dragged me in the car and said, you're coming off to Randwick to play. And, yes, yeah, so he was the reason I was going to give it away, but he was also the reason I, I kept playing. I actually got picked for the Wallabies from second grade as well, which um, the hooker in front of me at Randwick was Eddie Jones. That's right. <laughs> you were, of course, uh, as Gordon Bray mentioned, an unemployed builder's labourer <laughs> with an economics major. Yeah. <laughs> Things are just powering along in your life at that stage. Yeah. Uh, we see that famous try where you get up and, you, and, you, and you're punching the air. I presume you're saying something like, guys, it's just a great game. It doesn't matter who wins as long as we all have a good time. <laughs> Words to that. Close. Effect. Very, very, very close. There's a, there's a it, background of that, isn't it, there? It was, it, this, yeah. This, we Sean, had a look at the try here, I think. You had Sean, to run a long way to get there. I did. <laughs> you see the chip over the top? I did in between. Yeah, Sean had been giving it to me for, for the previous three tests that we'd play in Shaw Fitzpatrick. And this was... I'd never opened my mouth to him once until this moment where it was reported that I said to him, you want to come for a barbie and you want one sausage or two? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't quite what I said. But, but what was actually funny there when I thought about it afterwards is my mum and dad were in the crowd. And, of course, putting one finger up would have been incredibly rude. And I'm halfway doing the one finger. I thought, oh, mum and dad are in the crowd. 
Better go two. So I went two fingers. And the weird things that go through your head. The great great thing is your relationship with Sean Fitzpatrick continued. In fact, I think you were both together in a television commercial in New Zealand for a bank. Uh, Oh, have you got that? Yeah, we have got some footage of it here. Uh, So this this is terrific, as you can see, walking through the streets. That was a, it was a joint venture between an Australian bank and a shopping uh, group in, in New Zealand. And the voiceover guys, guy at the end there actually says, Australia and New Zealand's finest are now playing on the same team. And so the camera pans back and we're holding hands. The greatest thing about that ad, it was never shown in Australia. <laughs> was he truly, they always said he was one of the greatest sledges of all time. Was he? Well, yes, he, he was. He actually never shut up during the game. And what did he say to you about stuff like? Oh, what are you doing out here, little boy? You don't deserve to play against me. I'm the best in the world. Hey, little fat kid, why don't you go home to mummy? And, and, and I, I wanted to go home to mummy. <laughs> You've got to take us into the world of Eddie Jones because we, we, we've had people say that he's the best coach ever and others say not that he's the worst coach ever, but he overcooks teams and too intense. Others say he's mellowed. Tell us about him. You know, do you rate him? What's it, you know, how will he go? There's not a lot of people in the world of Eddie Jones. Like, there's sort of one bloke, and that, that's <laughs> him. That's the world. He, I mean, I actually quite like Eddie. I think he's a really, really good guy. But he is massively intense, massively hardworking, and he, and he uh, uh, ensures that his team work really hard to the point I've heard of just really overtraining them yeah. and, and really pushing them to the limit. And, you know, a bunch of the guys that played in that Japanese team at the World Cup... Um, I've heard a couple of them say, you know, we'd never play under him again just because they couldn't keep up that workload that was so intense. And it'll be interesting to see how, over time, uh, the Pommies go with him. That's interesting. Will he make them or break them? Because he he could go completely over the top, couldn't he? I mean, I think he'll do both. I I think in the short term, they'll they'll, they'll be incredibly successful, I think, over the short term, the next two to three years. The big question mark is what happens after that. He is a very astute coach, but there is a point of being fanatical work ethic goes too far when you've got to pull back. And Just on the, um, you're talking about New Zealand and the Bledisloe's obviously not too far away either. You played in teams that beat the All Blacks, but it's been, what is it, well over a decade now. Has it become more of a mental thing and is, is this the year that the Wallabies could do it? Well, as the key was saying, you've heard them say anyone can have a bad decade. And, <laughs> and, uh, and we've had that bad decade. And it, is, and it is mental thing and it is down to belief. And, and I think Michael Checker, uh, with that last World Cup campaign, built a lot of belief in that Wallaby side. And we all saw it at the World Cup. You know, people were saying we're not going to get through the pool rounds. And, you know, there we were in, in that final and did pretty well in the final. Uh, and Czech did it with the Waratahs as well and with previous sides. And, and he's, he, he's got the same struggle. He's, got a, he's never been at a team longer than, you know, three, maybe four years. And he's got to have that... Like, there's not many people in the world that can do an Alex Ferguson and do 20 years as successfully. So Czech's got to battle that as well. But he's been brilliant in, belie- in building that belief. Just finally, in 20 seconds, Brisbane this weekend, do the Wallabies do it? I think Australia will win this weekend. Uh, it's going to be incredibly tough. They haven't been together since the World Cup final last year. England have had a couple of games since then, the Six Nations, and they played Wales last week. But I think at Suncorp, uh, Australia will win. The next two... Toss of the coin? Toss of the coin. 
Oh, I'm assuming that's what you meant by that. Yes, that's <laughs> what I meant by that. <laughs> uh, that time went far too quick. I'll have to come back and... Uh, did? No, I'd love to. Oh, I enjoyed that. Yeah. It was good. And, and that ex- animal segment. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Kearns, stay with us. Our champ of the week is up next. And our tribute to the great Muhammad Ali. Look, before we get to our epic fail, just some feedback we've had on Twitter. Quick clarification. Yeah. Sampa, 18 points. Azura will get you 19 in Scrabble. Kawaja, 23. My bad. Kawaja, 23. There you go. Thank you so much for your feedback. <laughs> That's terrific. Time now for our epic fail. I'm not sure what the goalkeeper was thinking here. Uh, look, David Alabi <laughs> passes the ball back here. <laughs> oh, the goalkeeper's just gone missing. Jules, how does that happen? Well, I... Where, where is he the going? The brain snap. What? <laughs> we well, must have assumed the goalkeeper was in position. He must have. He must. I'm blaming the goalkeeper for that one. Our epic fail of the week. All right, let's have a look uh, now at our champ of the week, brought to you by Audi. And we're sticking with him, Kel. Uh, the uh, first French Open title for Novak Djokovic means he's the current holder of all four major titles. 12 in total, chasing that 17. He's got the Novak slam with Wimbledon, the US Open to come. Uh, why can't he join Rod Laver as the second man to win a calendar slam? Do you think he'll go on for the Golden Slam? Yeah, the Golden Slam is every chance. Throw in the Olympics as well. There's our champ of the week. That's uh, almost it for us, but we can't leave you without a final tribute to the man known as the greatest. So it's goodbye to you and it's farewell to Muhammad Ali. Let's give them that little saying we used to say before each fight. Float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Ah, rumble, young man, rumble. Ah. There is a drum that beats. He comes out to me and Liston starts to retreat. If Liston goes back in his father, he'll end up in the rain fire beat. And know the sound of truth. Possibility, fellas, this might be my last fight tonight.